Montreal Canadiens hockey, Montreal Impact Soccer, Major League Baseball, NFL football, the Masters, Olympics, and so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSM 690. Welcome back. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till 1 o'clock. And a reminder, we will be talking NFL football uh, with the coach, Jeff Reinbold. He'll join us uh, just after 1235. But it's a pleasure to welcome to the show right now as we talk a little bit of Montreal Impact. Uh, he's the newest member of the Impact, Zorhan Basson. Zorhan, what's going on, man? Uh... I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I just arrived maybe like four days ago here in Montreal, so I'm happy to be back. Yeah, man, it's it's nice to to see a, a local guy come back, young, talented kid. Why why did you want to come back? Why was now the right time? Why was now the right time to leave Europe? Uh, as I as I already said before, I think um, let's say I just had the opportunity to 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 come back. Uh, I had a great experience over there training with some good teams. I trained with Underlect, I trained with Lil, and I trained with some other good teams. I signed my first professional contract uh, in Bruges. And uh, even if I didn't have the, the opportunity over there to play games, uh, I think uh, their experience was really positive. Uh, it was really positive. And at the end of my contract, I think that the best decision for myself between all the offers I had, I think it was to join Montreal Impact. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the, this was the best for me. This was the best for me because as soon as I spoke with, um, with Olivier Renard, I was convinced about the project, uh, about the project where there's a lot of youngsters uh, in the project, you know what I mean? And uh, so, yeah, I'm proud to be here. I'm, I'm grateful. And... Um, I think the, the, the club uh, gives me 100% uh, confidence. Uh, they're, they're, they're sure about me. So this is why I just, I just want to come back here. This is why I'm back. Mm -hmm. So how long have you known Olivier Renard? Because he was in the Belgian League before, right? That's where he was working. How long have you guys known each other? Uh, well, I didn't know him. Like, Let's say I, I knew him. I knew who he was because he used to be uh, technical director from Standard de Liège. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I knew him from that time because even when I was in Belgium, he was interested in my profile. I even spoke with some uh, people from Standard de Liège back then. But uh, I just chose to not go there because, I, let's say, yeah, I just had some other opportunities. So I know him from these times, but we never spoke to each other. But the first time I spoke to him was around August, Mm -hmm. This was the first time we had a real discussion, me and him. And, uh, yeah, I, I knew him before, but I, I didn't talk to him before. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. So uh, he's uh, Zoran Basson joining us, Montreal Impact Defender, joining us on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. So I'm just wondering, when you guys when you guys first touched base in August, you said that he, he sold you on the project. I just wonder, like, during that conversation, do you guys talk about – you know, potential playing time or what the goal is in terms of getting you on the field? Like, how much of that is discussed? Um, he, he just said that he, just said that, uh, he has a, a big project. He wants to build a big project uh, with a, long, uh, a, a lot of young players involved in. So he said that he wants to build something where he can uh, make progress, a lot of young players, um, with, uh, some more experienced pa uh, players uh, to, to help us to, to, to grow up and to, to, to become best players. This is 
how I will I will describe it. Right. So yeah, I think uh, he, he just want to build uh, he just want to build something involved with uh, I don't know with with us young players. And as soon as he told me that, I was convinced because I was sure that he will give me a lot of confidence for myself, and he will help me to 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 grow up and to become. Uh, a, a better player than I'm actually am right now. Can you talk to me a little bit about your journey? Like, I, I think you were born in Toronto, right? And then you and your family, you guys moved to the South Shore. Like, can you just take me through? Uh, give me a give me a quick version of just how you got to Montreal and then how you ended up in Europe. And and, and now that you're back, I think people are just curious to know the journey a little bit. Okay, so yeah, I was born I was born in Toronto, but I moved to Montreal when I was like two months old. So I spent most of the time of my life here in uh, in Montreal, uh, in Longueuil, in Longueuil, uh, to be uh, to be uh, more. Uh, yeah, I was Specific, in Longueuil. I was yeah. in Longueuil. Yeah. And uh, I I grew up here in Longueuil. I went to Collège Français de Longueuil. I made uh, Team Quebec. I made the CNHP. Uh, and at the age of 14, I wouldn't say that I leave. I left Montreal, but I just had the opportunity to go in Belgium when I was 14. And uh, my mom was born in Belgium. She made it easier for me because she got, let's say, some contact. Well, she didn't have, but we got some contacts over there in Belgium. So I just seized that opportunity to go live there and play football there. Because mm-hmm. even when I was young, I traveled a lot over there and uh, to see my family. And I just played football with some people in the in the street and in, in the in the pitch, yeah. And I really enjoyed it. So I would say that at the age of 14, I just took the opportunity to go there because, yeah, it, I think it was a good experience and I really enjoyed it, you know? Yeah. So now I'm back in Montreal because I had a good uh, a good uh, talk with Olivier, Olivier Renard and I think the project is good. So, yeah, now I'm back in Montreal and I'm happy to be here. Man, that but that can't be easy. I know it's a great opportunity to, for you to you know go over to Europe at fourteen, and you're like you said, your mom was born there. But I mean, man, that that seems pretty challenging. I'm sure there were some lonely nights out there. Uh, repeat your question. I didn't. I'm, just, I'm saying like it must have been challenging for you to leave at fourteen. Like I can't Whoa. imagine having to you know change country. And I know your mom was born there, yeah. but there, there must have been some nights where that was challenging on you. Of course, that that was the. Uh... I wouldn't say that it was complicated because I've always been a guy who can adapt to, to my environment easily, you know. So uh, when I moved there, of course, I felt a bit pressure because, yeah, I was going to be with some new people, uh, new friends. I would be uh, far from my family. But honestly, I adapt myself really quickly. And uh, in one month, I was I was I was feeling good because the people over there welcomed me really well. At the school, it was a bit difficult at the beginning because it was a new system. Mm-hmm. But I adapted really quickly, and everything was good. Everything was good, honestly. Zorhan Basson of the Montreal Impact joining us on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. A reminder: NFL analyst Jeff Reinbold will join us just after 12:35. Uh, but Zorhan. I'm curious. I heard you mention on your Zoom call with the media that you're you're very versatile. You've played uh, some right back. You've played some center back. But that left back is your most comfortable position. Uh, give me the player profile, man. What kind of left back are you? What kind of left back? I would say I'm a I'm a left back who can who can defend because of course uh, I'm a first of all I'm a I'm a defender. But I'm a I'm a defender who can attack, who can support the attack. I'm a defender who can. Uh, uh, 
bring uh, bring uh, some some of my uh, some of my uh, offensive quality. I can give some assists. I like to participate in the in the offense game, you know. Yeah. And uh, this is what I like to do. I like to make the effort for the team to make the run and come back, and then go 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 to make the runs to go in the front again. So this is what I like to do. Uh, yeah, I will describe myself as a player like this. Have Have you? I mean, I'm sure you've. I mean, you've kept up with the career, obviously. But have you and Alfonso Davies crossed paths a lot? Uh, we didn't yet. We didn't yet. We didn't yet because uh, I was uh, I was uh, in the January January camp with Canada's national team. Right. Yeah, in January. But he didn't come at that time because with uh, Bayern Munich, mm-hmm. they need him. Uh, they need him at that time, so they didn't free him to go at this camp. So I didn't see him in this time. But eventually, in the future, uh, I hope we're going we're going to to cross our path, like you say, and uh, play together. Yeah. Yeah. What have you made of his transition to fullback? <laughs> it's been impressive, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What yeah, have you made of that? What did you say? What what, is, what have you made of his transition just to playing fullback at such a high level? Yeah, it's uh, it's really it's really impressive because yeah, first of all, he was not he was not a left back, but with Bayern Bayern Munich, like he adapted himself to a new system, to a new position, and I think he did that really he, he did that really pretty well because today he he won the Champions League, he won a lot of trophies with Bayern, so this is really impressive impressive. And you need to to continue in that way because uh, now he's really doing really really good. Do you know anybody on the club right now? Like, do you know any of the players? Have you crossed anybody? Yeah, I used to. I know Samuel Piet. Right. I crossed in January camp. Of course. Uh, I know some players I used to play with before, like uh, like uh, Jean Yves. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, Balou, Mathieu Chouanier. Um, yeah, these are the and I know the the goalkeeper James and mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I know some of the players I used to play with when I was younger. So yeah, I feel like when I come back here, I feel like I'm I'm home because yeah. I know there I know a lot of people there. So I, I just feel really comfortable to coming back here. And, and just with MLS, I'm I'm sure you've you know you've seen your fair share of MLS games growing up you know in this city, and I'm sure you've watched on television as well. But why do you think? you'll be a good fit in MLS. And what are some of the things that you've picked up watching MLS that could be challenging uh, for you coming in uh, the first little while that you're going to be here? Uh, so you're asking, like, uh, what, 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 can, can you ask that question again, please? Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm talking a little quick. But just the challenges of MLS, like how different is MLS football to the rest of the world? Oh, what kind okay. of challenges do you think you'll have? I, I would say MLS is a league where... Uh, People are really, you know, they're athletic. They're really athletic. People yeah. are fast. They're strong. And uh, this is, let's say, I would say something new that I used to play, uh, let's say, in Europe. So this is something new. People are really fast, strong. You know, we know some people who really build their teams, like, in, I, I would say, physically. So people are really ready physically. So I think uh, this is, uh, this is, what's going to be new for me in this in this week. Zoran, I love your energy, man. I watched the entire Zoom call. I loved having you on today. I love the energy, and hopefully we get to see you bring that to the field in 2021. Thanks for doing this, man. 
Thank you. Thank you, too. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, no problem. That's Zorhan Basson of the Montreal Impact joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 630. I just, I, I love the, the, the vibe that he gives off. I love the energy. Um, and, and I think for what the Impact want to build here, uh, I think he's, uh, he's a really nice fit. We saw that they're going to get young at the left fullback position in particular, and I would argue both fullback positions because Zachary Broguillard is young, and he's played, you know, now he's become, you know, almost an MLS veteran with the amount of minutes that he's played this year. But how about with Kiza on that side? How about with uh, Basson on that side now? I mean, it's just, it's going to be an incredible fit. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Montreal FC. Montreal Impact, which name do you prefer? Which name do I prefer? We'll discuss on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Join the social sports conversation. Follow TSN 690 on Facebook. Click on Facebook.com slash TSN 690 Montreal. Welcome back. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri. We're with you till 1 o'clock. We will be talking NFL football, uh, and we'll be talking a little more CFL football as well. I want to build on what Baron Miles, the new defensive coordinator of the Alouettes, was saying about you know the, all the free agents that they have. Uh, the Owls have 48 free agents uh, that are going to hit the market as of February 9th, and uh, I'm going to break down. I, I broke down the list, and I'm going to give you my top five, the top five players that the Alouettes need to bring back. Uh, once free before free agency hits on February the 9th. We'll do that uh, just after 12.50. And uh, Jeff Reinwald, as I mentioned, our NFL analyst, will join us uh, just after 12.35. Uh, but did want to get into the debate this week. It was a hot and heavy one between you know the people that wanted the impact to, to keep their Montreal Impact football club name and the people that were in support of uh, that leak that came out with uh, Radio Canada this week, uh, suggesting that the Impact are thinking about going to Montreal FC. Uh, I, I understand both sides. I personally have no problem with either one of those names. I just think that Montreal FC is a little more polished, it's a little more professional, and I realize that it doesn't pop and it doesn't stand out. For the most part... Those soccer names, they don't typically pop, right? Like you look at a lot of the, the big clubs in Lincoln. I know, you know, there's the Gunners. I, I realize all that. And I know in MLS, there's the Dynamo and, and the Red Bulls and all that stuff. I, I realize. But I, ju- I, I think there's just a little bit more. There's, a, there's that professionalism, that um, world football polish that comes with Montreal FC. And like I said, I realize it doesn't pop. But I think once you get used to it, like anything else, it'll just become second nature and you won't really think of it that way. When I think impact, the name, you know, what do I think? I I think a little bit more of a mom and pop, pop shop. And there's nothing wrong with that because I always admired the impact for that. And I know there's people that spin it in a negative way. You know, people suggesting that, oh, Joey Saputo always hired his friends and whatnot. I just, to me, having covered the team since 2012, since they got into MLS, the first half of their tenure in MLS, maybe even a little bit more than that, you got the feeling that it was a very homey environment, a very, you know, I know you, you know me. And it it was, they very much gave off... Uh, a family vibe. Like, was it perfect? No. No family is. But to me, when I think Montreal Impact, that name, I think of the old NASL logo, and that's what it makes me think of. It makes me think of a 
a very homey club. A club that, yes, they went on some great runs, a club that had some success at different levels, maybe a bit less uh, in MLS, but they still went to an Eastern Conference Championship. They still went to a Champions League final. I think there's a lot of clubs in MLS that would take that. But I do feel like it is a little bit more mom and pop shop vibe. That's just the way, just being close to a lot of the guys there and covering the team for a while, that's kind of how I've envisioned it. And that's definitely changed. I would say that once they went away from Mauro Biello as coach and, you know, a couple of his, of his assistants like Jason DiTullio, um, you know, they let go of an equipment manager, Aldo Ricciuti, who was tremendous at his job. And he was a guy who was able to bring, you know, the, the teams and the groups together. Um, Nick DeSantis obviously being out. I just felt like the mom and pop shop stuff, that stopped when that happened. When they brought in Remy Gard, it, it totally that 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 family atmosphere that the, the good and the bad that comes with being, you know, a, a family with a football club because there is good and there is bad. I just feel like that all dissolved when Remy Gard took over because he wasn't somebody that grew up playing for the club, following the club, working in the club. He just wasn't. So to him, you know, he was a guy, yes, he came through Lyon and he was in the EPL as well, but there was no attachment before getting to the Montreal Impact. So that kind of dissolved at that point. And like I said, there's good that comes with that and there's bad that comes with that too. But there's no question in my mind that that went away when Remy Gard was hired. And now... You know, in 2020, we weren't around the group as much. And again, it's not a slight to anybody there, but Olivier Renard has no, had no attachment to the Montreal Impact before getting here. Neither did Thierry Henry. So it's become very much a business. It's, it's not that it wasn't before. Again, not that it wasn't before, but that feeling of, you know, everybody knows each other from top to bottom, that's kind of, that's kind of gone. So... The fact that they want to make this transition to Montreal FC, and I know everybody's mad about you know that it stands for football club, or a lot of people are mad, especially you know there's some people in my Twitter mentions on the French side that are like, oh, how could you name this team FC? Well, what do you think the FC and IMFC stand for? It's the exact same thing, but I do think I I do like the move. I like the logic behind Montreal FC. It just it's it's features. Montreal more. You're not going to talk about the impact anymore. You're going to be talking about Montreal, which I like. And also it's a transition to a new phase. And I don't know how many people realize this. And I'm going to be brutally honest with you here. I can't remember. This is not a slight again at at Radio Canada, but I can't remember another time where Radcan broke a significant Montreal impact story. They just they're 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 not into that, and it's not a shot at them. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, I think sometimes teams leak things to the media to gauge the fan base's reaction, and I don't know it for sure, but I kind of feel like that's what happened here. I feel like the Impact are seriously thinking about this, 
Mocon of TSN 690 reported uh, earlier this week that the kit, the jersey, is going to look totally different for next season. So we know that that change is coming. But whether or not they ditch impact for sure, I don't know. But I do know that teams typically will do this. They'll float something out there. They'll have that media outlet report it. And then they'll get, they'll look they'll look through Twitter, they'll listen to talk radio, they'll watch TV and they'll see what people are saying about the new name and that's where I think we are. But if it is Montreal FC and I saw uh, Olympique de Montréal which I'm, I'm I personally I'd be fine with too, but it's just Montreal FC, it's just clean, it's professional. I like it. I think it just signifies a, a new day in impact history. And I know a lot of people were worried about, hey, well, what if, you know, we forget about the original members of the impact? You know, like what if we forget about the Biellos and the DeSantis's and the and the even the Needhams, the DiTullios, the De Lorenzos? Like what what if like we don't have to forget about those guys? Those guys played a significant role in the history of soccer in this city. And we don't have to forget about those guys. The Placentinos, the Pizzolito. Like, we don't have to forget those guys. Changing name doesn't mean that you're erasing everything that's happened over the last 25, 30 plus years. A lot of us remember the Supra were around. A lot of us remember the Manic were around. I, I, I don't think that changing name means that you have to erase what's happened over the course of your franchise's history. I just I don't feel that way. I like it. I, I think if they go with Montreal FC, uh, you're not going to get a complaint out of me. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to know uh, what you have to say on the matter. You can text me at 11690. I'm more than happy to read your text messages uh, on the air. Uh, but it's time to talk a little NFL. Does Derrick Henry have a legitimate shot to be NFL MVP this season? Can a non-quarterback win? We'll ask NFL analyst Jeff Reinbold. This is Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. Your home of the Montreal Impact, TSN 690. Welcome back. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till 1 o'clock. We're on at a new time starting this week. We begin at 11 instead of 10, uh, and uh, we finish at 1 instead of 12. Uh, it's been a whole lot of fun. Uh, we are having a hard time getting in touch with Jeff Reinbold, the coach, uh, but uh, we are working on it. We'll try to get in uh, contact with him. He is working for Sky Sports this weekend, so he is over in London, and uh, I believe the connection with the phone line uh, is having a little bit of a, of a... We're having a little bit of difficulty getting in touch with him, so we'll keep working on that. Uh, but there's been a lot of blowback since yesterday uh, in regard regarding this NFL topic, and I mentioned during Melnick in the afternoon that, in my mind, quarterbacks are the only legitimate option when voting for an MVP. That's just the way I feel about it. I, you know, I realize that Adrian Peterson's won an MVP, and there are other running backs that have won MVP, of course. But I think in today's day and age, the way that the rules are set up, I really feel like a quarterback is the most important position in professional sports. That's how I feel. And does Derrick Henry have a case this year? Sure. I mean, of course he has a case. He's a huge part of that offense out in Tennessee. But in my mind, it's got to be Patrick Mahomes. 
and it's got to be Aaron Rodgers. And yes, Kyler Murray was involved in the race at one point, uh, and so was a guy like Russell Wilson, but both guys have cooled off. I know that Kyler Murray out in Arizona is kind of dealing with an injury right now, uh, but yeah, I, I think the quarterback position, just with the way the rules are catered to the offense and catered to the quarterbacks, that's how I, I feel like a quarterback should be MVP. And it's just funny to me how, you know, I, I don't even think this is the fault of the fans. I think this is more the fault of the media. And Patrick Mahomes has somehow become an old story, right? Like, there's been no adversity there. There's no compelling storyline. Guy was a first-round pick. He's a top 15 pick. Sat out the first year. I think he started only the last game of the season uh, when they rested Alex Smith. And then they move on from Alex Smith. And this kid comes in, flourishes, wins an MVP, wins a Super Bowl. There's no adversity there. There's no storyline. So instead of talking about how great Patrick Mahomes is all the time, what do we talk about? We talk about Carson Wentz struggling because that's a compelling storyline. We talk about Baker Mayfield struggling at times. You know, former number one overall pick, great rookie season, but it's back-to-back years now where, eh, he's just okay. So it's like we're bored, we're fed up with the Patrick Mahomes storyline. I think everybody acknowledges that he's great. Everyone realizes that he can do things on a football field that I'm not sure we've ever we've seen anyone do ever. But when it comes to MVP, talk radio, television, it, it's like it's an old storyline already. And I just I, I don't get it. There's a way I do get it, and there's another way where how can you ignore this guy? Like how can you ignore what he's done in the NFL this season? And Aaron Rodgers has had a couple of dud performances. I think most notably about the week where they went to, uh, where they, yeah, in Tampa Bay, where Rodgers ran a touchdown in in the first quarter. But then the last three quarters, he stunk up the joint. He wasn't good. So there's also that, there was that performance that I put more on the defense the time they lost to Minnesota, the Vikings where Dalvin Cook ran all, all over the Green Bay Packers. You know, that one maybe isn't as much on on Aaron Rodgers, but still it was a subpar performance. So I realize that it's not, you know, it's not all peaches and cream with Aaron Rodgers this season, although I do think he's playing at a high level. And if you were dumb enough to hate on Aaron Rodgers over the last couple of years, you see that, you know, even in his late 30s, the guy can sling the football around. But he's still number two in my mind to Patrick Mahomes this season when it comes to the MVP race. And I realize that the Chiefs, yes, they have talent around him. That's how good football teams work. But, you know, to suggest that with, you know, with with a running back, and Derrick Henry's been great. Derrick Henry's been phenomenal. But I just, I can't give the MVP to a non-quarterback unless something crazy happens. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till 1 o'clock. And I believe we have our NFL analyst, Jeff Reinbold, joining us now from London. Jeff, you there? 
I'm here, guys. Larry, to talk to you. Thank you for your patience getting this thing done. Oh, no worries. I appreciate. Are you kidding me, Jeff? I appreciate you joining us, uh, taking the time. I-, I was telling our listeners last week that you had like a couple of connecting flights, and I think you had ten free minutes, and you were trying to m- make us fit into your schedule. And we really appreciate that. We couldn't make it work last week, but you were very, very eager uh, to come on last week, even though you had such a small window uh, to of free time. And this week again, I know you're working at Sky Sports. Uh, over in England, uh, just uh, uh, we were talking about the NFL debate, and I appreciate getting your perspective on this. And mm-hmm. I, again, like I've had a lot of blowback. I, I shared this opinion on the air yesterday, Jeff. And you know, Derrick Henry, unbelievable season. I just I can't ignore what Patrick Mahomes is doing this year, and I would give it to the quarterback ninety nine times out of a hundred. You feel the same way? Are you talking about the MVP? MVP, award? yeah. I, I, you know what, Joey, I really have to be right down the right down the line with you because that that award has actually become it's, a, it's let's face it it's a quarterback award i mean who's to say who's the most valuable player that's such a that's uh, such a nebulous title anyway right if you say the and that's why i think when you say the most outstanding player like we do in in the cfl then i think you're really on the right track right. because you know i mean would the Steelers be 11 and 0 without Ben Roethlisberger? What would Green Bay's record be without, you know, Aaron? I mean, so those kinds of things make you the most valuable. Look at what happened to Dallas once Dak was down. I mean, you can you can argue that one all day long. Now, has Derrick Henry had an unbelievable season? Absolutely, yes, he has. But the reality of it is, and, and you know, the fans can blow back all they want, that has become a quarterback award. Now, what's interesting is that the fact that we have this, you know, we're even having this discussion because in most other years, in most other, you know, with other teams and other situations, anybody that is having the kind of year that Patrick Mahomes is having would be a, you know, it wouldn't even be a discussion. Yeah. But he is so good, Joey. He is so beyond what everybody else is that we kind of take it for granted just how good he really is. And, and it's like, okay, yeah, well, Pat did that again, right? Well, we've seen that for, you know, 20 straight games with him. I mean, it, it's it's incredible the level that he's playing at. It's become an old storyline. That's what I was saying, Jeff. It's become old exactly. because – he does these things that are great, and everyone acknowledges that, but there's been no adversity, right? Like, he came in, won an MVP, won a Super Bowl, signed a $500 million deal, and I think as media, and I'll, I'll speak for myself now because you're a football lifer, you're in the media, but you see the game way differently. Uh, I think we take more joy in breaking down uh, Baker Mayfield and Carson Wentz and picking apart their game than we do of you know acknowledging that we're seeing greatness here and the greatness has just become old already. I can't believe it. The guy's like 25. Well, I mean, and it's not like, first of all, one of the first things that, that I tell our kids every year, and that's 30-some years of pro football, is the one thing I can guarantee you about pro football, the one thing I can promise you is that you're going to face adversity because that's what the game is about. Patrick Mahomes dislocated his kneecap. You know, Patrick Mahomes has lost players around him. I mean, you know, Tardif opts out, his starting left tackle. I mean, it's not like the guy hasn't faced. It's just that he's transcended it so much and so well that we just think it's like he's bulletproof. And the reality of it is they've had – 
challenges at Kansas City. You know, they brought in a new defensive coordinator last year, and it took him half the year to really figure out his personnel and what he wanted to do. Um, they've lost coaches. They've, I mean, every team, every situation has adversity. Now, you can argue, well, it's not they haven't faced what San Francisco's faced, and maybe that's true. But don't say that the guy hasn't faced adversity because he has. Yeah, but he's he's succeed. Like I, I hear what you're saying, but my point is it's it's quote unquote boring to the yeah. national media because he overcomes the adversity with such ease. Seemingly, that's Absolutely. why it's not and, fun. And his demeanor is such that it's like he he doesn't. You don't see him sweat. There's no controversy. There's no you know he's not a drama queen. It's yeah. all that stuff that mm-hmm. makes him you know a guy that you, you know he, he's playing at a Hall of Fame level, and he's doing it really almost kind of under the cover of darkness, really, to be honest with you, because each week we talk about Russell Wilson, and we talk about, and that's not to take anything away from Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or any of the other great quarterbacks in the league, but this guy is just unconscious of how, you know, how he plays at such a high level game after game after game. He's our NFL analyst, Jeff Reinbold, joining us live from London uh, on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Uh, So I was listening to, I heard an interview with Dan Orlovsky, uh, the former backup quarterback in the NFL this week, uh, Jeff, and he was saying that the best non-quarterback in the NFL is Travis Kelsey. Did you see that? That's interesting. I did not see that, but that is really, really an interesting call. Now, um... You know, I think Aaron Donald might have something to say about yes. that. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, here's the thing. Remember when the Cowboys had the triplets? Yeah. And it was Aikman, and it was Emmett Smith, and it was Michael outside. Well, there's a new set of triplets in town. <laughs> and the reality of it is, it's, and we're going to talk about this on the broadcast on Sunday. The new triplets are Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey maybe as much as Kellen Winslow Sr. And um, I don't even know if I can think of another guy right off the top of my head, has redefined the position of tight end and what you can do with a tight end. And he has become so, so much a critical part of the success of that offense. And, you know, I think that, trend now will become because football pro football as you know joey is a copycat business and a copycat existence and there's going to be more and more push to try and find those kinds of playmakers at that position yeah those those kind of guys the guys that are six five that can block and that can run routes like receivers they don't grow on trees though jeff you know as well as i do those things those type of guys are so rare and I just feel like that position takes a beating more than people realize. Like, look at Gronk, and I realized that Gronk, when he uh, when he came out uh, for the declared for the draft and stuff like that, he was already damaged goods. The back was hurt, but man, like if you can stay healthy and play at that level, like Kelsey has for the most part throughout his career, like that's impressive. But I I don't know how many of those guys there are out there. Well, I think most of those guys that that can do those kinds of things are playing small forward in the NBA, <laughs> that's to, a good to be real point. honest with you. Yeah, that's I mean, a good that's point. what those guys are. 
And, you know, I remember in 2000, I think it was 2001, I worked training camp with the Chiefs. And Tony Gonzalez was a holdout that year. And Tony came into camp, I think we were in camp like two weeks, and, and he walks into the cafeteria the first day. And I remember just, and, and again, Joey, I've been around, at that time I've been around pro football players for 20 years, so I wasn't, it was hard to impress me, you know, just somebody walking in the room. But I tell you what, when Tony walked in the room, I said, that's not fair. I mean, that's not fair. <laughs> that guy, I mean, he was six six, and, you know, chiseled out of granite and great looking and great personality. And then he went on the field and was even better on the field. And I was like, whatever they're paying this dude ain't enough because this guy is really special. He should have hired you as his agent. He would have been in camp a lot sooner. <laughs> so who's the, in your opinion, so you've, listen, you've been around all these guys. The best, most complete tight end that you've seen ever is who? Well, I, I think, you know, when you start talking about ever and doing everything, then you really got to go some to to get past Gronk in his prime. Right. Because when you look at it, he was the combination of a lot of really, really good ones. He could inline block like Ditka or Mark Bravaro. He could run routes like Kellen Winslow Sr. You know, he had Jackie Smith's hands. I mean, just so many guys that have that have played that position that were Hall of Famers, they were all wrapped up into Gronk. And then on top of it, he had that it factor that the great ones do. And that's he when when you needed a play, he could make a play. Mm-hmm. He had the ability to elevate everybody around him. He could make a play in a game and change the momentum of a game. So to me, he is the most complete and the greatest one that I've ever seen. Jeff Reinbold joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. And earlier, Jeff, I was yelling about uh, breaking, you know, criticizing the media for breaking down Baker Mayfield and picking him apart. So naturally, <laughs> that is what I'm about to ask you to do. This was uh, Eric Mangini earlier this week breaking down Baker Mayfield's game as the Browns play the Titans this week. The last thing you want is Baker Mayfield thinking that, that he's got to go out and win the game because that, that form has been bad form all season. Baker has to go in and, and manage this game and not lose this game because that's one thing that Tennessee is really good at is creating turnovers. If he'll just go out and get above a D in quarterback rating, they've got a pretty good chance to win this game. And they've got to see that that he can do that and, and do it on a consistent basis. So, Jeff, it's 8-3 and three Cleveland at 8-3 and three Tennessee. And it just it seems like, listen, I, I don't want to discredit what the Browns have done this year, but, you know, there were some big games where I watched and I was looking for them to take over. I, I think about that home game they had against the Raiders where it was it, the weather was messy and they just couldn't get anything going. To me, this is a statement game for the Browns. You know, like if you come out and win in Tennessee, I'll take you seriously. Absolutely. I think there are a lot of people that are watching this game really closely to see just exactly what Cleveland's going to be. You know, they're going to get their – Miles Garrett's going to get back, so that's going to help them. They're going to get their number one pass rusher back. And he's been – if you look at production per play, he's been the best pass rusher in the NFL this year. Now, when we talk about Baker, and I agree in principle with – what was said i think that i watched him very closely because we've got that game this week and stefanski has done an outstanding job of trying to mitigate the things that baker doesn't do well and 
capitalize on what he does well. When he is out of the pocket, when he is running the boots and the nakeds off of the zone play to Chubb and, and using play action, he is an effective quarterback. When he has to drop back and win the game with him with his reads and his arm, he's not the same guy. Right. But don't blame him because that's the guy that he was at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I watched him really closely as a college player. He was always, he's always been skittish in the pocket. He's always been a guy that, you know, is hard to protect for because you never know where he's going to be. He'll feel things, he'll, you know, sometimes he pull, gets his eyes down and feels the rush rather than stay through his reads. He's played in a one, you know, a one read offense in the college, in college and really hasn't developed much past that as an NFL player. So when they can stay ahead on the chains, when they can stay ahead in the game or close in the game and they can run the tailback and play the two tight ends and get him out of the pocket because he's not a big guy, uh, you know, there are a number of quarterbacks – you know, it's a little bit of the Doug Flutie scenario. You know, when he's out of the pocket and he's on the move, he's much better than when he's standing in. And I think I think Flutie was a much better pocket passer than than this kid is. Yeah. But I think that Baker's at his best when he's outside of the pocket and he's running. He he can make plays on the run. He can throw the ball on the run. I I think Tennessee's biggest challenge is to number one win on first down stop the run, and make Baker beat beat them from the pocket. And if they can get that done, I think they'll win the game. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I think I saw the stat, Jeff, where they're 5-0 and when Nick Chubb runs for 100 yards or something like that. So, I mean, that's clearly the recipe for success uh, for the Cleveland Browns. So, no question. Yeah. You know, and, and Cleveland, you know, I had heard this, somebody had made this comment, I think about 10 days ago, somebody in the media, one of those PFF guys, which, uh, you yeah. know, again, I always qualify that with who's making the evaluation. Mm-hmm. And they said Cleveland has the best offensive line in football. I'm not sure I'm ready to make that comment after watching four games this past 24 hours. But what I will say is they run the zone play extremely well. Mm-hmm. And Chubb is a great zone runner. Um, he has the ability to stick it front side in the A gap. He can go backside A, backside B, and take it out the back door. I mean, they don't block. He's, they see more eight-man fronts, Joey, than anybody in the NFL. Right. And they don't block everybody, can't block everybody. But Chubb can take one. It's, it's the old thing. Mouse Davis told me that when he was putting in a play uh, in Detroit and they had Barry Sanders, they're in the, he, you know, Mouse would diagram everything for everybody in the offensive meeting, and they diagrammed the zone play, and there was one guy that didn't block the frontside linebacker, and this rookie raised his hand. He goes, Coach, what about the frontside linebacker? And, and Mouse just turned and he said, that's Barry's guy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, that's what they can do with Chubb. I mean, last week against Jacksonville, Jacksonville plays – I mean, they can gap cancel, bang, 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 bang. The ball has to come back to an unblocked player, and Chubb just beats the guy one-on-one. He yeah. didn't even get – I mean, he wouldn't have got his flag in flag football. <laughs> so that's what a great back can do for you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jeff, uh, thanks for doing this. You really are Mr. Worldwide. Uh, you, you joined us from San Antonio so far, joined us from Hawaii, and now from London, England. Uh, who knows where you'll join us from next week, uh, but we appreciate you uh, coming on. And uh, just send me whatever long-distance charges there are, right? Hey, we're just getting started, Joey. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And uh, all the best this weekend. And uh, congratulations on getting the Twitter account back. 
Hey, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I, I, and again, I appreciate to have an opportunity to talk football with you guys. I'll see you next Saturday. Absolutely. That's Jeff Reinbold, the coach, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Uh, all right. So I, I want to keep on the football theme here. We've got a couple minutes left on Saturday sports, and uh, if you're just joining us, we do have a new time. Uh, we start at 11, and we finish at 1 now. Uh, so we are not on 10 to noon anymore. We are on 11 to 1, and uh, we will continue to do uh, be in that time slot all week. Um, but I did mention that the Alouettes have a lot of free agents. They've got 48 free agents that they need to re-sign before those guys can hit the market on February 9th. Uh, we spoke to Baron Miles earlier on in the show. I asked Baron which defensive players, uh, since he's the defensive coordinator now and the defensive backs coach, by the way, uh, I asked him which players that he wants back absolutely on defense. And um, there are a couple of big names on the list, John Bowman, Enoch Mwamba, Woody Barron, but he said that he wants all as many of the secondary guys back as he can. So uh, I broke down the list of 48 free agents. I've got the top five free agents that the Montreal Alouettes need to bring back heading into the 2021 season. I will give that to you next on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Your home of the Montreal Impact, TSN 690. Final moment, Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. A thank you to Baron Miles, Jeff Reinbold, Zoran Basson of the Montreal Impact joined us as well throughout the show. Again, if you missed anything, you want to catch the uh, interviews that you missed, you can find those at tsn690.ca. If you want to listen to the entire show from start to finish, uh, our open uh, with uh, John Still and I was very fun. We talked about uh, everything that's gone on this week with Patrick Waugh and how the Canadians have faltered over the last 25 years. Uh, I argue that it's not just the Patrick Waugh trade. That wasn't the catalyst for the implosion. If you want to listen to that, uh, you can find us on Apple Podcast. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud and on Google Play. Uh, please subscribe. Leave a positive rating on the podcast as well. Uh, and uh, so that's where you can find uh, the show if you missed anything today. Uh, but I did mention the Alouettes, 48 free agents. I do want to go through this list of free agents with you very quickly, but I'm not going to go through all 48 names. Uh, I would like to... I've, I've, I've brought it down to the top five. All right? These are the top five guys that I'm bringing back if I'm Danny Machocha and the Montreal Alouettes, the five priority free agents that they have available to them. And again, uh, CFL uh, announced the uh, that the free agents will be able to hit the market as of February 9th. Uh, and so number five, I want to start here, Woody Barron. If you don't follow the Alouettes closely, he's number 97. He's a defensive tackle, and he doesn't necessarily pile up a lot of stats, uh, but he does give them a great push up the middle. Uh, he can eat blockers. He does make plays inside, and I do think that that's an underrated spot. Uh, when he, he did become, he signed a one-year deal last February to stay with the Alouettes, but he did hit free agency. It was, it was a tough negotiation, I'd imagine, uh, between he and his representatives and the Alouettes organization, but they found a way to bring him back on the one-year deal, but because there was no 2020 season, that one-year deal came and went. He didn't play. I believe he's 27 years old. Woody Barron is a playmaker on defense that they absolutely need to find a way to bring back because without him, uh, the interior of that defense just is not the same on the defensive line. At number four, I've got Greg Reed, an all-star defensive back last year. He's 30 years old, Florida State kid, had a tremendous season last year. Uh, was He's not the biggest defensive back out there, but he is a guy who plays a physical brand. 
He's a guy um, who is not shy about laying out a receiver. He's a guy who's not shy about making a play on the football. I really liked what I've seen from Greg Reed over the last couple of years. And yes, he is 30. He is a couple of years older than Siante Evans. Uh, but And I think both guys are, are great. But I give Greg Reed the nod. The Alouettes need to find a way to bring back Greg Reed. Number three is somebody you've probably never heard of. And I'll explain his importance to this Alouettes roster. His name is Chris Slugger. Uh, he's a guy who played both left tackle and right tackle last year. A young guy, mid-20s, and a guy who showed that he can man the blind side and that he can play at right tackle as well. But he's more than just a swing tackle. He's a guy that I think you can build your offensive line around for the foreseeable future. He's a guy that if he hits the market, maybe he doesn't grab the biggest headlines, but I do think that he's probably the most underrated player in the league last year. I know there's a lot of people internally uh, with the Montreal Alouettes who feel like he should have been their rookie of the year last year. Uh, they gave that to Jake Winicky, but Jake Winicky also a free agent, by the way. But Chris Slugger, what he was able to do on the offensive line, a former Saskatchewan Rough Rider but didn't really play out there, got his opportunity in Montreal, and he looked terrific doing it. Chris Slugger is a guy that they absolutely need to bring back. He's my number three free agent uh, that the Alouettes need to re-sign before February 9th. Number two on the list, Gino Lewis. And Gino Lewis, coming into the 2019 season, I looked at him and I thought to myself, he is a very good number three receiver. He's a big body. He moves well. He's got good hands. But as the 2019 season progressed, he became a legitimate number one target for this football team. And I think that you have that guy who's been healthy. He's big. He's strong. Good hands. He's, dur he's been durable, like I said, hasn't really missed too much time, and he's still relatively young. Geno Lewis, back in the fold, he is the priority receiver that the Alouettes need to bring back. He absolutely is, and the Owls have a couple of other important free agents uh, at that position. Like I mentioned, Jake Winicky, B.J. Cunningham, uh, Naaman Roosevelt, who came over as a free agent uh, in the winter of 2020 from Saskatchewan. These guys are all hitting the market. They absolutely need to find a way to prioritize Geno Lewis. The other guys are important too, but Geno Lewis has to be back. And number one on my list, still Enoch Mwamba. That's the guy. Canadian ratio buster, middle linebacker, who's been outstanding. He's the uh, reigning defensive player, or the outstanding Canadian uh, in the Canadian Football League. He won that award for his uh, for everything he accomplished in 2019. He's going to be 32 at the start of the year, but he really hasn't missed much time. He's still a guy I think he's so important on the field, and he's incredibly important off it as well. Uh, so I think Enoch Mwamba absolutely needs to be back. So 5-1, to one, Woody Barron, Greg Reed, Chris Slugger, Gino Lewis, and Enoch Mwamba. Those are the five free agents that the Alouettes need to prioritize. There's a bunch of other guys, as I mentioned. John Bowman is another one that if they can bring them back, they would. But these are the five most important guys. Thank you to everyone who tuned in on Saturday Sports. Special thanks to Al's defensive coordinator, Baron Miles, Impact left back, Zorhan Basson, and Jeff Reinbold, the coach, for joining us on the show. Thanks to John Still, uh, who uh, pushed the right buttons for us throughout the show. And thank you to you who tuned in, who uh, tweeted and texted. Uh, again, if you missed the program, you want to go back and listen to it again, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, and on SoundCloud. Thank you very much, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.